Hey, everybody. Welcome to Answer the Call. I'm Kelsey Kemp. This is a podcast for Christians who want to find their calling and launch an incredible career that's aligned with it, so you could lead a rewarding and impactful career in the decades of work that you have had. Every week, I'm bringing you a workshop-style training from my perspective as a Christian career coach, as well as inspiring conversations with fellow Christ followers who are boldly living out their callings so you could be encouraged to live out yours with bold faith, big vision, and decisive action. All stuff that we care about a lot around here. Speaking of which, today's guest is Gina Stickley. Oh, this is such a good interview. I can't believe it. So she is, watch out. Okay, listen to this. She is a professional actor in theater, film, and television, and has over 30 years of experience in live show management and theatrical directing. She also serves as a creative and strategic advisor, a public speaking coach, and a presentation development expert for executives. Really, really cool stuff. So, crazy. I know, I know. So how the heck, this is just kind of as an aside, you might be wondering, how the heck did I get connected with such an incredible guest like Gina? Actually, this is a really cool story. So a mutual friend from my church here in Austin, somebody in my church family, um, connected me with Gina when I said I was going to LA for a new coaching certification program that I went through uh, in neurolinguistic programming. Really cool. You might have seen some of those updates on Instagram. If you follow me over there at Kelsey underscore the called career. Um, but anyway, I was going to LA in last month in October. And so she connected me with Gina and her husband, Glenn, um, who kindly allowed me to stay with them the whole week that I was there. I couldn't believe it. Her kindness, generosity, and vivacious spirit just stunned me even more than her professional accomplishments. So she was very generous to also come on the show when I asked. So in this conversation, you'll hear us talk about putting yourself out there and dreaming big, which Gina has done so much of in her 45 years as an actor and asking for big things too and experimenting with your career and her perspective on taking risks. Also, I love her perspective on how you can reframe and move through what you might otherwise perceive as failure because she's in the entertainment industry, which, you know, you're up against some pretty tough odds generally, and you have to put yourself out there so much. So, and she's done well in the, I guess, traditional like business space as well. She was in HR for a time, and now she's a presentation development coach for executives in corporate too. And so she knows so much that it can apply to whatever specific career you're in that will help you put yourself out there more be more bold in asking for big things and opportunities and just staying in the game and really resilient through what other people might back down and get um, kind of overwhelmed by what they think is failure. So you have to listen to what she says on that. And also, we, we talk about uh, feeling free in Christ to enter into any industry that you feel called to, whether that's working in entertainment or for a church. Um, both have incredible value and worth for the kingdom and Gina's view on God's kindness towards us and his generosity to help us flourish in our careers really just blows me away and how she also sees that as an act of service to others. And I know that I couldn't get enough of this conversation with Gina, so I know you will too. And so without further ado, here's the interview. Gina Stickley. Hello. Kelsey I'm... Kim. <laughs> wow. Back you're at just me. 1K. You're 1K short of a comedic formula that never fails to make people laugh. Um <laughs> That's a really good way to say it. One K short. In my mind, I finished that sentence with a horrific disaster of initials. No, see, um, it's, we can flip it. Flipped it. Flip it. Yes. Um, yeah. That actually, I think, is such a perfect joking segue into what we're going to talk about today, which okay. I think your mindset, and we'll get into more of this and your career background, but I was so excited to have this conversation with you because to me... 
I just from what I've gotten to know about you, you're so good at putting yourself out there. I mean, you've had to be just kind of to enter into the topic yeah. of what you've done for a living. You've had, what is it, over 30 years of experience in the entertainment industry. You've been 40. Oh, she's raising five. 45. 45. 45. Oh my goodness. Wait, I think you are going to explain this so much better than me. Can you rattle off the illustrious (laughs) list of things that you've done in your career? Okay. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. So I started when I was about six years old as an actor. Um, I wouldn't say I was professional at that point, but that certainly was where the dream began. So, uh, so yes, I've been acting since I was about six years old and I, as a professional actor now, I've been a professional actor for about 35, well, yeah, I'd say about 35 years or so. And uh, both in the theater and film and television, but mostly in the theater, that's kind of the love of my life is live theater. And let's see, uh, when I wasn't able to get an acting job, because that happens sometimes, I developed a career as sort of an HR professional, which led me into, it's funny how the two worlds kind of collided. I ended up becoming like an organizational development person and uh, or manager, so to speak. And that translated into teaching executives about presentation skills and how to present themselves. And um, so that was a whole other kind of diversion from what I normally did, but it's sort of my skill set sort of translated pretty well into that. And now I am still acting and directing, but I'm also uh, have a business where I do um, live creative and production management. So I sort of go into a company who's having a big event and if they want the big room or the big meeting is happening, they want it to be sparkly. So I sort of make it beautiful and lit. I hire actors, I write a script for everybody. I train the people who are gonna be presenting who are not professional presenters, you know, not like a keynote speaker. And I just sort of get them ready and teach them how to use a teleprompter. And I mean, it's really just like directing a play. It really is. It just translate in, translates into the corporate world. So that's what I'm doing. That's incredible. I think everybody <laughs> listening with every new sentence that you added onto that stack was like, oh, wow, wow. whoa, okay, <laughs> goodness. So cool. So one reason that I mentioned this to you that I thought it would be so fascinating for the listeners to hear more about your mindset, ideology, mm-hmm. um, around how you've led your career and put yourself out there is that I think a lot of the listeners are in, I guess, what we'll consider more traditional, maybe business type jobs. And sure. I was there and it's kind of common to feel scared to dream big like oh gosh that's so impractical or Mm. to ask for big things raise your hand for big things throw out quote crazy ideas Mm -hmm. uh, take risks experiment and I think you have so many case studies in your career for how that's gone well for you so Mm. um what I guess to start off what qualities and characteristics have helped you make it in this career that you've crafted from you know growing up in Texas now being in LA and doing all the things that you mentioned well I think I think that you know because I trained it in college you know I trained with some really I trained with actors not just people who taught acting there's a significant difference. So I was working, I was being trained by people who were actually working in the industry, right? That's where, where I did my bachelor's work at the University of Houston and then uh, finished at the Circle and the Square Repertory Theater in New York City. But the reason why that's significant is because they focused a lot on making sure we understood how to handle what could be perceived as failure. And they really helped us understand, you have to know that there are you know, you'll hear this a lot in the industry, only 1% of the people make it, you know, that's stupid. And it's not true. And it's, it's more the mindset of I, if I don't get a job, that's fine. That's done. Now I go to the next one. And always thinking about what's coming next and what I'm doing next, right? If I let 
a, a long list of failures pile up, right? That's going to constantly stop me in my tracks and keep me from being able to move forward and believe that I can do something, right? And I actually have a, right now I have a really great agent who she has this um, idea that, you know, if I, if I audition for like 12 things, you know, and nothing comes of any of those, which happens sometimes, she'll say, don't worry, you've got, you're, you're, you're clicking along, you've got one in the pocket anytime now, it's coming, it's coming. And so I appreciate her mindset because it keeps me in that space as well. So I think surrounding yourself with people who think that way is very important, it's extremely important. You have to be focused on what you want, how you want to get it, and then you have to have other people that are thinking that way as well. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, it makes sense. Gosh, I'm just okay. thinking about <laughs> when I was petrified of, well, let's be real, I'm part of me is still very much petrified of failure, but much less so than earlier on in my career when I had such a tough grip on oh, I'm, I'm so scared to make a change. There's just so much risk. Oh no. Um, and getting in that analysis paralysis yeah. mode, but what you were talking about of surrounding yeah. yourself with people that are willing to parrot those mantras of you've got one in the pocket soon. It's only a matter of time. That's what I repeat for my clients all the time. Y'all know if you're listening right now that I say it all the time <laughs> of it is only a matter of time. Repeat after me. Yes. It's only a matter of time. If you stay in the game, yes. if mm-hmm. you're if you pull yourself out of the game because of perceived mm-hmm. failure and all that yeah. evidence of uh, the last 10 no's, heck, realistically, the last two no's means mm-hmm. God is shutting a door in my face. <laughs> when, mm. Mm, I don't know, maybe throw your shoulder into it. Try again. Um, yeah. then <laughs> that pulls you out of the game. Yeah. And then of course you can't say it's only a matter of time anymore mm. because yeah. you're not knocking on more doors. But in terms of right. having the people around you, um, mm-hmm. I, how did, was that just something, let me ask it this way. Have you found yourself in places in life where you didn't have that support or people around you to mm-hmm. remind you of those things? If so, where did you go from there? Right. And pull yourself out of it. Yeah, of course. I mean, of course, I've, I think when I think back to college, um, because, you know, when you're in college, that's such an important time in your life. And you're really figuring out who you are, what you want, and you're almost forced to, you you have to, you have to make a decision what to major in, right? (laughs) So you kind of are forced to decide, this is the course my life is going to go on, or I would like for it to go, right? And in that, you know, in that circle of friends that I had in college, most of us were extremely supportive, but you always had the people who were super competitive, didn't believe there were enough roles to go around for everybody, constantly pitting people against each other. And that actually summarizes the entertainment industry pretty well in its entirety. But what's interesting is that because both my husband, because he works in the business as well as a producer, but both of us have this attitude of, 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 of course, we're going to be working. Of course, we're going to be doing that. We have found that that has naturally drawn people to us that are like that. And when, if someone sneaks in somehow, who's the naysayer, we just get rid of them. <laughs> it's just like, no, you can't be in my inner circle. <laughs> you cannot be in my inner circle. If you're going to act like that or think like that, because I don't need that, you know, and spiritually thinking, you know, that's, there, that's a whole spiritual battle when, you know, if some, if someone, <laughs> the enemy sneaks in and starts throwing junk at you, we have a choice to say, really? Oh, you're right. Oh, mm, you're right. Or to go, Boop. <laughs> nope. Yes. You know, nope. You don't get to tell me about myself. No, I know who I am. I know who loves me. I know who's got my back you know? So I, so of course I have always run into people like that. And even I would say there have been times in my life when I've been one of those people, I had to learn how to be like this. It did not come naturally to me. I was, I didn't grow up in a happy home. Really. I didn't grow up with parents who were like, yay, you're so awesome. You know, it, they were, you know, not healthy people. They were alcoholics and drug addicts and they didn't have time to think about my life. I had to think about it. So I'm grateful that I became a Christian at 26 years old and I had some catching up to do at that point, right? I had some growing up to do 
because I really didn't get the support in my family home. So, and I was surrounded by a ton of people who just wanted to love me. And so I think God healed that in me. And that's where I learned how to think more faithfully about whatever, right? Dang. Okay. Wow. So much to break down there. First, thank you so much for bringing up your background and your story and about your family, because I can bet if you did not mention that, it is very, very easy to think that this is just an inherent quality that you were born with, that you are just strong and sound in mind to have a, Mm -hmm. you're just one of those positive people that Mm -hmm. uh, it works out for you. (laughs) Also, maybe you're just a naturally lucky person. And I find that such mm-hmm. a, a um, yeah. very a tough thing about the Western mindset. We really focus on um, the good things that we see or praise about other people being inherent mm-hmm. uh, talents, yeah. gifts, whatever, instead of just right. something they chose. And I think everything is really just sure. what you choose, which is what you're highlighting. You're choosing to think these things. <laughs> um, sure. So thank you for mentioning yeah. that. I mean, I'd say, I would say inherently I'm a talented actor. God gave me that gift. I know I'm good at it. Right. But there are hundreds of thousands of talented actors out there doing nothing. Right. Way even more talented than me doing nothing because they're of their fear or whatever, or not willing to address their own trauma, which stops them Their Their whole life is trauma informed. So they're stopped and they can't really move forward. You got to deal with your crap. If you want to if you want to do something with your life, you can't not deal with it. Right. And that's part of my journey too, is that I'm constantly learning how to address things that try to get in my way, you know, and I don't want to come off like I'm this big successful person. Like I've had some successes. Right. And, but I've also had a lot of no, a lot of no, and a lot of, you know, trudging through for years and being like, geez, when when am I going to get a break? You know? Um, and so I've had those times and I, I just see it as part of the journey. I don't see, I don't feel like my life has to go like this. Right. I feel like my life has to go like that. My life goes like this. (laughs) And that's just, okay. That's just okay with me. You know, I'm, I'm cool with that. I've surrendered to the idea that life is not a constant growth to perfection. You know, it's just, Yeah. yeah, this is a good time. That's not such a good time that's okay. You know, yeah. because I, I think I'm, it's because I have that security in God. Like God, I know God digs me. I know he's got my back no matter how it looks, you know? Yeah. That brings me to another thing that you're tying in of, um, I noticed how you equated faith mm-hmm. with, yeah, uh, I don't, I guess resilience, uh, through the nose of, mm-hmm. And faith with this strong mindset, I'm going to choose to remember mm-hmm. my identity. I'm going to choose perspective and the bigger picture. I'm going to choose the thought, okay, well, let's take the next dozen chances. There's going to be something. Mm-hmm. It's only a matter of time. That is a quality of faith. Right. And sometimes I, I think it's share just. share my secret with you. Oh, you're going to share my secret or your secret. I'm looking at, I'm looking for it right now on my phone while you talk. So you keep talking and I'm going to share my secret. I'm going to get it for you. (laughs) The suspense. I think it just wiped my brain. What was I saying? Did I mess you uh, up? I interrupted you. I patterned interrupted your brain. I'm sorry. (laughs) See, you're such a mindset ninja that the pattern interrupt is actually a technique that I recently learned, but you're only supposed to use it when you want to get somebody out of a bad state. Not but it can when work the other way too. <laughs> it can interrupt you and mess up your whole train. It can, we can, you know, celebrities should be taught this with bad interviewers. Like how do I pattern interrupt this bad interviewer so they can jack them up so they'll get off their case talking about things they don't want to talk about. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Sorry. That's great. That's great. Um, man, I, well, what <laughs> she's bad. You were talking the about point. faith. The you were talking point about- is a she. So uh, the point is that I think it's really interesting to just draw awareness to mm-hmm. what the what is the mental image that comes up when I say have faith that kind mm. of illuminates what your definition of faith is a little bit like what do you see here feel feel directed mm. towards what is your personal definition of it because 
when you're talking about faith, I think action, resilience, Mm -hmm. forward Mm -hmm. movement, holy Mm -hmm. ambition. Mm -hmm. When I hear, well, growing up, I kind of in my college Christian groups and uh, whatnot, I thought or felt influenced to believe that faith meant wait and bite the bullet and be content and it's very stagnant uh Mm -hmm. stagnant thoughts like you just need to be okay with whatever scraps get thrown to you rather Mm -hmm. than having a proactive Mm co-creating ideology around life with jesus (laughs) and so anyway it's something interesting uh, that you made me think about and i hope the listeners think about more too but what is the secret do you have it well first i want to respond to that real quick so uh, my 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 question to you if if you were in the mindset of waiting until you get a scrap situation would be show me who did that in the bible that was faithful like Ooh. i can't who did that paul certainly not moses no, he actually ran the other direction, but so at least he did something, but then God didn't let him off the hook. Right. I mean, nobody did that. Peter, certainly not. Right. So sitting and waiting is, is nothing. (laughs) It is. You get what you're doing. You get what you're doing. Nothing. Right. So yeah, I just don't, that just, when people do that, I'm like, no, there's something going on underneath the waiting. Like there's fear of moving forward, taking a chance. You're thinking too much about what could go wrong, you know, whatever. Something's in your way. Doing nothing is not good. All right. This is my secret. This is one of my notes. Can you see it? Maybe. Oh, how God has worked. I know it's backwards, but this is a list. Oh, it is. Okay. Hang on. This is a list. Wait, but read it out for the podcast listeners. Whoa. The whole list? No, it's too long. (laughs) It's, 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 too long. it's Whatever years long. Yeah. It's so, I mean, you know, I wrote things down like I was faithless. I simply turned to God and he restored my faith. I was enslaved to spending and he helped me recover. He opened my eyes to faith. He brings, uh, he has restored my hope in faith. He brought Norma into the kingdom. He's healing my friend, Lisa Johnson. I'm just picking random ones. Uh, God introduced me to Melissa Brethauer. That's a girl that I met who is now one of my besties. I studied out Galatians 5 about how God uses the spirit to produce fruits of the spirit in us. Uh, that I cannot do it, but he does it through me, crucify my sin daily. And I just kind of going on about what I learned. So, and then it's practical things like... Um, just different people I've met working at different camps with kids and watching the kids become Christians, watching my son lift his hands up while he was singing to God. I never thought he would do something like that. <laughs> this is a, te- so a teenage boy. He's a teenage boy. Uh, my friend Molly was baptized on 8, 29, 17, uh, leading oh. me to the metanoia method, uh, healing me of Lyme disease. So I write things down when they happen, because when I feel tempted to not be faithful, I go back and I read this stuff and I remember what God has done. So the thing about faith is that I think a lot of us think that we just need to somehow produce it. The Bible says faith is sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. So we can't have any hope if something hasn't happened to give us hope right? So we have to have had something happen in our lives where hope was produced. And then we like that feeling, right? And it produces all the good stuff in our brains. And we're like, oh, that's right. God did this and this and this. And it's really just a, it's really just a gratitude list. I have other lists too, um, of like the things that make me happy and stuff like that. And so I think you, you, you cannot have faith if you don't, if you haven't have had God work in some way in your life before, and there's not a single person on the planet who God has not worked in their life because he loves us too much to not do that, (laughs) you know, or to do, to not work. So I think that is the key is that like, if you're, if, if you're struggling with being faithful about something, write down things that God has done already. And then it almost becomes like, well, then why can't he do this thing? 
or why can't he do that thing? Right. And like, I'll share a story with you. So um, I I already shared this with you once before. So I was uh, directing a a big event show and uh, we, it had some theatrical aspects to it, some music, singing, some other stuff. And my lead singer is about what offered the lead song for the title of the show. Her boss is Smokey Robinson (laughs) and she's a backup singer for him. And she called me two weeks before the event and said, I can't do the show. Smokey wants me to go out on tour. And of course, you know, of course she had to do that. So I was like, that's fine. God's going to figure it out. So I just started scouring, calling all my other friends who are singers. Hey, are you available? No, you don't. No, 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 no. <laughs> so then I just go online and I'm just like messing around looking. So the name of the song was Pretty Hurts by Beyonce. And I just put that in YouTube, like covers of Pretty Hurts. And just wanted to see like, maybe there's somebody out there who's covered the song and did a really you know, as a lot of talent here. So I found these two girls, Chloe and Hallie Bailey. They're young teenage sisters. Uh, at that time, I think they were like maybe 14 and 16 at that time. And I, they were amazing. They had covered the song and they were phenomenal. And so I just kind of poked around, looked on Facebook, found their Facebook page. There was a number, contact for booking. I called the number, it was their dad. And I was like, hey, my name is Gina Stickley and I'm doing this show. It's actually for a church and we're looking for some talent to sing this song. And I saw your girls on the Internet and I would love I would love to book them. I don't have I have some money, but I'll have a lot of money to give them. But it would just be such a blessing to us, you know, and let me tell you what we're about. We're about this. It was a women's event. We're about reaching out to women and showing women how much God loves them and inspiring women to be their best version of, you know, how God made them to be. And he was like, yeah, I feel like that's something they should be doing. So then he tells me they just moved like six to eight months earlier to LA from Atlanta. So they're in LA. So I go to lunch with them. I sit down with them. We all fall in love with each other immediately. And we just had the best time. The girls come and did the job with, with us. And their mom came too. And I got to sit with their mom almost all day. And we just had the best time talking. And, and then for a long time after, for years after, the mom will, now they have since signed a record deal with Beyonce. Um, they were in the works of doing that when I met them. And they, um, they're, <clears throat> sorry, I have like a problem. I throat. <clears throat> and they are uh, like, Hallie is now playing the, the new Little Mermaid for Disney, the new live action Little Mermaid and black. And she's the first black Little Mermaid, which I love. And Chloe is cranking out all this awesome music. And so, so, so is Hallie. She's still singing a lot and stuff. So occasionally their mom, she hasn't done it in a couple of years, but she used to just like email me and be like, Hey, I have questions. They're being offered to do this one thing. I don't know if it's good for them spiritually. What do you think? And so I kind of got to help them spiritually for a little while in their lives. And it was just, but to me, it was like at that, when that happened, that just took me way, I mean, just way beyond in my, then it was like, there's nothing I cannot ask for. And God will certainly give it to me. (laughs) I was like, I could have asked for Beyonce herself. And I bet we could have got her. Like, I just was like, no, this is crazy. God, thank Thank you. I mean, it was great to have them and they were adorable and super talented, but it was so much more than that for me. It was more like, oh my gosh, God. And so now that is the attitude I have anytime I do a project. It's like, even if it looks like it's all falling apart around me, which happens a lot in the production world, everything falls apart. (laughs) Sound doesn't work. Film doesn't work, whatever. And I'm just like, it's, it's good. We're all good. God's got it. We're going to pray. It's going to be fine. I don't, panic ever anymore because I don't have to you know oh my gosh I'm so <laughs> glad that you told that story I was really hoping that you would that's my <laughs> that's my that's only one there's many more but that's a good one <laughs> I'm sure and I love yeah. how you weren't just like oh 
that's cool. That's sweet. Thanks, God. That was really cool. Um, you yeah, turned no. that into a new statement of belief of, all right, there's nothing I can't ask him about. Let's go. And you turned that in. Well, God just yeah. worked that in your heart to enter a new level and depth of boldness with him. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'd love to get your thoughts on this too. I'm thinking it'd be good to encourage the listeners. And if they're earlier on and um, are like, yeah, sure. Okay. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to remember a few things where God really came through for me and they're there. They are there. Mm -hmm. Pray and ask the spirit to reveal them to you. Mm -hmm. And, but they're just like, oh, I'm not so convinced he works like that for me yet. Um, yeah what would you say to that? Well, I wonder why God would love you less. (laughs) You know, like, why would God not do something for you and do it for me? I mean, seriously, like, I don't have a clean background. I was a very messy, you know, person when I came into the kingdom of God I was 26 years old and I grew up in the performing arts industry so with no guidance so that tells you right there that I was a wild animal I mean I used to come to church drunk hungover, half naked I mean I was a mess I was such a mess I would run out of church crying and people would have to chase me down the street because I was in sin and I felt bad about it I mean I have not had an easy road okay I have not I have, I have, I, there was a period of time in my life when I walked away from God for almost eight years, when I completely decided like, I can't do this anymore and I don't want to do it anymore. I mean, talk about that was my lowest point of faith, right? That's where I was really without a lot of faith. I mean, the only thing I remember knowing at that time was, okay, I do believe Jesus is Lord, but that's about it. Like, and it was because I had been through a divorce and it was very traumatic to me and very disappointing. And I was super mad at God. I was like, what's up with that? You know? So I think you got to know, like, if God will do something for me, why wouldn't he do it for you? I mean, he used David and David was a murderer, an adulteress. He pretty much killed his own baby because he was in sin and, you know, God had to take him. Uh, I mean, it was, he used Moses, killed this Egyptian and then (laughs) used him the way that he did, you know, and there's, it's kind of silly to think that way. And I think, but what, what we have to do is we have to find out, we can't just go, well, I shouldn't think that way. Cause that never works because that's coming from a subconscious place. So we have to address the subconscious programming. Why do I feel like that and think that way? What, and, and instead of thinking about what we don't want, we have to think about what we do want. This is what I do want. Cause a lot of times if you ask someone, so what do you want? They'll go, well, I don't want to fail. No, I didn't ask you that. I asked, what do you want? Well, I don't want to not get this. Nope. Still not (laughs) hearing me, (laughs) you know, and it's, I get it. Cause I did the same thing. You know, it's like, no, you have to think, okay, what do I want? I want like, even thinking about that show I was doing, I want to find the most impacting singers and with the best faith story attached to it. And I want, and if these people are not already Christians, I want them to become Christians because of their interactions with us. Okay, cool. That's what I want. You know, I don't remember thinking that way at that time, but I was more just like, let's see what God does. This is going to be cool. You know, (laughs) I was more thinking like that. So I I just, I just think if you're thinking God's not going to do that for you, I, you got to deal with that deep core belief you have about why you're not good enough for God to do something for you because it's not true right it's just not true yeah 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 oh man but I have a lot of compassion for that because I've been there you know I I get that pain of like oh and all the evidence points towards the fact that God won't do it for me well we kind of created the evidence through that negative thinking right so once I kind of learned that through this book, the metanoia method and practicing, uh, letting go of some subconscious patterns, you know, then I realized how much power God had given me to actually heal and to move on Mm -hmm. and into the space that I was always meant to live in. So 
I'm still learning that. I'm only like two years in. So I just started learning two years ago and I'm 54. So same. I'm working on this. <laughs> there is hope for us yeah. yet. I love that yeah. we get to talk about this because, you know, I mean, I was just with you in LA and I was doing my own um, neuro-linguistic programming training and mm-hmm. learning a lot of yeah. the stuff that yeah. you're mentioning, which is our subconscious right. mind does not process negatives. So if I say, I, well, I don't want to fail, it, it, your subconscious mind doesn't process the don't, it only mm-hmm. uh, sinks in the word fail. Fail, 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 or I'm scared or I, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm so, I don't want to be insecure anymore. It just latched onto insecure. And Mm -hmm. so how powerful of a reminder that was to just really focus on what you want. I think the follow-up question to this, um, at least for me, and I I feel like this comes through a a lot of the, um, I guess, oh, how do I say this? the programming that I felt in Christian community growing up of, well, that's really neat, Gina, how you have all these really amazing stories and cool things that you've gone after. And sure, please give us some encouraging words about dreaming bigger, but isn't it selfish to dream big in in those terms of things that excite you that Mm, are in the entertainment industry shouldn't you only be excited about sharing the gospel in Botswana or something right 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 (laughs) how have you oh because it's not spiritually focused oh yeah it's not spiritual enough oh well here's what I would say I got a good answer for that one (laughs) who is gonna reach out to JLo Mm-hmm. Who is going to reach out to Jennifer Aniston? Who is going to reach out to so-and-so regional theater actor? Because those people aren't, don't have a relationship with God. So I feel like I've got to be, I mean, God gave me this talent, right? He gave me this ability to act and he gave me this ability to coordinate like a boss and to like put a production together and make it beautiful and amazing. He gave me this, like, I'm not even going to take credit for it, you know, but he gave it to me for a reason. So I have to be in the midst of those people. You can't just like walk up to JLo on the street and reach out to her. She's got 45 bodyguards around her. you got to be in the mix, right? And you don't get in the mix if you don't have the goods and the chops. So I have to be good at what I do. I have to be able to stand next to someone like Jennifer Aniston and have a conversation with her because we're hanging out on set together and build a rapport with her and show her God's love. So is it selfish? I mean, I'm focused on what God wants, which is for people to know him and for, for people to return to him where they belong. So I'm like, that doesn't sound selfish to me. And Am I not supposed to enjoy it? God must be really mean. (laughs) Is he that mean spirited? I don't think so. You know, like God is, God is like applauding us. He's like, go, go get it. You know, like everything you can have everything you ever want. And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. Please don't misunderstand me. Nobody could hate that more than I do. Um, (laughs) I'm talking about, seriously, I'm talking about, using what God has given you to its best ability to do everything that God wants to do with it. That's all it is. It's not like rocket science, you know? And if my heart gets selfish in some way, God will show me, show me and I'll be okay. Like he can help me recover from that. I've been in a lot of sin as a Christian always helps me recover. I'm not afraid of sin. I'm just not afraid of it. It's like, you know, I, 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 if you live in sin day after day, that's pretty dangerous. But if I sin somewhere along the way, you know, I just course correct, you know, I just uh, repent, confess and repent, move on, you know? So I think it's not selfish to want to do great things. It is actually, God is great. God is. So here's you, that's your thing you hate about the church. I'll tell you what I hate. (laughs) What I hate. I hate this. So I'll be like, someone will ask me to do like a show or something for the church, you know, Hey, would you come do the show for us? And my first question is what's your budget? What's your budget? 
Now I learned this from lots of years of stepping in and stuff and they don't have any budget. And then I'm like frustrated the whole time. Cause I'm like, what are you, you want Broadway with like the lowest form of community theater budget that ain't going to happen, you know? So, so I, first I asked about the budget. If they don't have one, I help them make one. Then we help, you know, figure out the money stuff. But I'm like, even if we have, uh, what, how, how do I want to say this? Let me think about this. What I, what I challenge is the comment, well, this is just a church thing we're doing. And I'm like, okay, let me ask you a question. If you were producing a Broadway show on actual Broadway, uh, wouldn't you do the best you possibly could? Wouldn't you try to be as excellent as you can because it's Broadway? But in the church, somehow, we're going to go ahead and say, eh, it just it's a piddly little project. It doesn't really matter that much. I'm like, that's super insulting to the God who created us. No, we're going to be excellent. We're going to be professional. We're going to shine like stars in the universe because of our love. And we are going to be like, for instance, doing a project in church and people can just, they just, just show up late to rehearsal or they just don't practice their music and they show up to rehearsal. No. I mean, I've fired people in the church before from a project. I've been like, you know what? I love you. You're not the right person right now. Bye-bye. <laughs> I don't say it like that. I'm much more loving and much more compassionate with them, but it's, but that's how I feel. I mean, sometimes I really feel frustrated, you know, because I'm like, why do we think we can treat God's kingdom in a less excellent way than our own jobs or you know what I mean? No, if you're going to do something for God, it should be your 150,000%. It should be excellent. Amazing. Now, yes, we're going to have some struggles with things like people are volunteers a lot of times in that situation, right? Or So they may not feel as motivated, but then even that should be challenged. Why do I have to pay you to get you to give your heart to something that's for God? And to be honest with you, when I do big stuff in the church and I hire and I, you know, get actors who are disciples and even I usually do 80% disciples, 20% non-Christian because my goal is to reach out to the people in my industry, right? So I always create a budget where I'm paying them something if they're professionals because it's their work, right? And that's fair and that's right to do. I mean, they don't, they don't get paid like SAG or equity fees, but they... They get a little something, you know, to say, thank you so much. You know, So anyway, that one of the things I think we've grown in this area, especially in LA. Now LA loves doing things ex- excellently because it's LA, but the little churches out there need to keep in mind that if you're going to do something and you say it's for God, you know, do it, do it right. <laughs> Be excellent. Yep. Handle yourself appropriately in the name of Jesus. Like, you know what I mean? So it's um, generally whenever I've come into a space and I'm the only one that thinks that way, generally by the end, everyone has bought in. They're like, yes, that's right. We're doing this for God. We're, you know, because I just sort of try to consistently teach why I'm thinking that way. No, God is excellent. God is, God is big and powerful and amazing. You know, let's get on board with that, you know? So it's, uh, but it's not Amen. very easy on me. It's a little taxing <laughs> on me. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm excited for you to move to Texas, <laughs> bring this energy <laughs> down here. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's an excellent point. And um, like to your example, why would the word Broadway ignite more excellence mm-hmm. in someone than mm-hmm. the name of Jesus? I have church. no idea. Than God's people. Yeah. yeah. It's just a mindset. And- it's just a decision to change how you're thinking, right? Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it definitely is. It takes training. Um, it takes training, you know. It it absolutely does. One thing that you mentioned before we started recording, what I loved this. You brought up this imagery of, well, you know, if you what did you say if you shoot for the moon that you oh the stars uh, yeah help me you say that <laughs> oh okay so uh, uh something that I try to live by in my life which sometimes has gotten me in trouble I'll have to confess but overall it's worked in my favor is ask for forgiveness not permission <laughs> mostly that's worked out really really well um because 
what I mean by that is if we are hung up by all the things that could stop us in our tracks, instead of just like, I'm just going to do it. It's going to be fine. You know, and then, and then we won't move forward with something. So when I usually enter into a project that I'm working on, I always have this mindset of, I'm going to ask for the stars, but I'll take the moon if that's all I can get. Right. Um, because the moon isn't a bad option either, you know? So, but, I, but I always ask for the stars and, and a lot of times I've, I've been laughed at. I've been told you're crazy. That's never going to happen. I've been told you can't do that with what you have, you know? And I just say, yeah, my God can. And I just, you're, you may, if, unless you change your attitude, you can't be on my team because we don't think that way. We think we're going to do it no matter what. And if we don't know how to do something, we're going to figure it out. That's how it is. There's a lot of times I go into a project. I have no idea how to do something. Like I went into a project a year and a half ago, had no idea how to, how to use a teleprompter, <laughs> but I had to teach people how to use it on the spot. So I was like, Oh, YouTube, YouTube, you know, call my husband. Cause he's teleprompters all the time. I'm like, babe, how do I, what do I tell them how to use their eyes? Like their eye line? How do they do their eyes? And he, so he told me and I was like, okay, I think I got, it. but it was like, but I mean, you know, you just figure it out as you go. Right. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I think for uh, me, yeah, that you got to ask for everything you want, you know, Sorry, no, are we getting a delay? No, no, no. That, well, maybe. So sorry oh. if there was a little lag in the internet. But two points there, wow, to pull okay. out was one, one, the ask for what you want, ask big. But then mm-hmm. the second one was clearly your demonstration of resourcefulness and just a total lack of hangups and guilt around not knowing how to execute an entire role for the next two years in any task that could come your way before you apply for it. Uh, right. Or, you know, in the example of this project, you mm-hmm. were like, oh, okay, teleprompter. And you decided to think, well, who can I call right now? Who mm-hmm. there? Somebody in the history of the world that I know has figured this out and I could ask them really yeah. fast and we'll get it done and it's totally fine. And nobody's yeah. going to think twice about, oh, we saw Gina stutter like slightly before she was like, yeah, okay, let me train everybody. <laughs> And that is one of the biggest struggles that Mm -hmm. uh, my clients and the people I speak with have around making a career change. Well, I didn't Mm. big, a big rock there is, well, I didn't go to school for that. Another one is, well, okay, well, I don't like five of the things on that responsibilities list on the job description. I haven't heard of, and I don't know how to do that. Or if even if they do know or are mm-hmm. familiar with the majority of the things they would have to do in a new position they're aspiring to, there's mm-hmm. just the general last excuse of, I'm just scared that I wouldn't be honoring this company because I, I'm not totally mm-hmm. confident that I, I would be able to do it. And the funny thing is, yeah. the examples coming to my mind are of people that literally the company interviewed them. They went through three rounds of interviews and they got the job. And this person was considering not accepting it because she was worried about, quote, not honoring the company because she wasn't totally confident in her ability to do every single thing that they envisioned for the role yet before even stepping foot on the campus of the corporate. That's a Uh, major core belief right there going on. And I think how, wait, is it really about not, that's very Christian-y is not honoring the company? Because I think insecurities are actually stopping you selfishly from serving in a Mm. way that they are asking you to. So I think that's actually much more, I'm going off on a rant here, more selfish than holy. But you, were you always just okay with, oh no, I'll figure it out. Or how did you develop that strength to let go of the self-consciousness and fear of what if I don't perform perfectly in this new challenge? No, I I was never, I was not always like that for sure. Um, I think, you know, I just, because I, I honestly, I think this is part of the good thing that came out of growing up in a family of people who weren't available to me. Um, you know, growing up with drug addicts and alcoholics, you know, they're not available to teach you, 
I mean, my, my dad taught me some cool stuff, but you know, my, I, I just wasn't guided. Right. Um, I had to learn, I had to be resourceful. I had to learn it. I mean, I was getting myself out of bed, brushing my teeth, doing my hair, feeding myself, getting my homework together when I was six, oh no my help gosh. by myself. So, because I had to, right. I didn't have, and I walked myself to school and walked myself back, like, you know, like I had no choice. So I think it, it taught me, it put in me like a, a confidence that if I, I can survive, I can do it. I, I can figure it out. I can do it. There's definitely been times, and I'm not saying these times are over for me, that I would step into a situation and be like, uh, I have no idea how to do this. Like for, I'll, I'll give a good example, uh, working. So uh, I'm going to use, okay. So, so working, uh, it's hard not to use the church stuff because I've done so much for our churches, but like working with technology, like the sound and the light, little lights and the speakers and the, you know, uh, live feed and all. I don't, I don't, I didn't have to learn that stuff in my industry because I was an actor. I just showed up and it was all done and I did my thing and we're done. And even as a director, you hire people to do that. I hire a sound guy, I hire, hire a light guy. I didn't have to know that stuff. But when I started doing it in the church, nobody else knew how to do it. So I had to figure it out, right? I had to like, okay, I gotta, let me figure it out. Let me call my light designer friends. Hey, I need to light this show and I want it to look like this. What do I do, <laughs> you know? And so I think you have to make the, now somebody else who maybe didn't grow up the way I did being forced to be resourceful, right? Let's speak to that person. You actually can decide to be resourceful. And, and have the attitude. I don't know who told me this. Somebody told me this a long time ago. I think it was like an old boss of mine. She said, when you're in an interview and they ask you if you know how to do blah, 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 and you don't, you've never done it in your life. You, you just say, listen, I actually don't know how to do that, but I can learn anything. I'm a great learner. Mm -hmm. And I do, and it doesn't take me long. I learn quickly and I learn thoroughly. So if you're willing to give me a shot, then I'll do it and I'll figure. And that has literally been my whole life, <laughs> my whole life <laughs> where I've just walked into something. And then if I didn't know how to do it, I used that, you know, I used, well, I was taught that later in life, but that was such a valuable thing to teach me because that really, it's just, it's honest. Like, yeah, no, I don't know how to do it, but I can't, I can figure it out because I have a brain. I'm super smart and I can do it. You yep. know, I, I think that's the trick to when you don't know how to do something or, I mean, I know I, I was um, interviewing for this national training director job for this luxury travel company. And there were like four or five things on that list that I didn't know how to do. Um, and I told, I told the person who was interviewing me, you know, I've done like a little bit of what you're talking about, but to be like the actual manager of that would be a new thing for me, for sure. But my ability to manage people is on point. Like I can do that. So I feel like I can bring that skill in and just adapt it to this situation. And she was like, good enough for me. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So, See, you. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is actually something I learned in that training I referenced that I recently took in LA is mm -hmm. as a practitioner of this type of coaching, and this is applicable sure. to any time that you are tempted to freak out because you tripped up. So as mm -hmm. a practitioner of helping uh, in this way, you're trying to serve someone. Your intention is mm -hmm. for them. So mm -hmm. if you stumble on one word while you're doing whatever it is, a coaching session, a hypnosis session, whatever, you know, with my little powers that I have now, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. whatever it is. The mantra is just, just move on and feel good about it. And that's mm. not something yeah, I have really, really been that great at in the past. Uh, I would really rehearse and overthink and freak out. Mm. Oh my gosh, what the, like magnify the event and the embarrassment yeah. a thousand times over uh, and not let it go. But what you've been teaching us throughout this 
conversation over and over again is just the power of choice in choosing mm-hmm. a new way of thinking because right. it's not inherent positivity. It's total choice. And so that's something I've been mm-hmm. choosing in the last two weeks or so since I've been implementing this. And it's helped me so much. I tripped, I actually made a, mi- a big mistake yesterday. Um, and I just apologized and I decided that's what I had to give. And I learned from it. Take what you have to learn from it, release the rest and feel good about it and just feel sure. good about it. <laughs> so I keep on yeah. repeating yeah. that phrase to myself and it's really been helping. So I love how you did that in the interview and you turned it back to what you can give and what you Mm. are equipped with. Mm. And look what she said. Good enough for me. Great. Thank you. (laughs) Moving on hiring you. Yeah. Right. Well, it's interesting. Like, you know, a lot of my life has been sort of trial and error. Um, And so I, so I think I've just adopted that way of thinking in my life is like, we'll figure it out as we go along kind of thing. Uh, most recently through the metanoia method that I've been practicing, I've been able to pinpoint the two different ways of thinking. One is the victim mentality and the other is the victor. And that choice of, you know, and being able to, to be honest, like when I'm in the victim mentality, when I feel like something's happening to me or something's in my way or you know, instead thinking, okay, again, it's that question, what do I want? What, instead of what is not happening for me right now? You know, I, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy, um, but I think it's harder to live in the victim mentality over a period of time, because then you have like a whole stack of things that have disappointed you and been your enemy and messed you up. And now you have no power. Now you just have no ability to do anything. And that is certainly not the way God created us to be, <laughs> you know, like no. absolutely not. It's, it's interesting. Like I also have recently come upon this idea that, you know, I've been a Christian 28 years um, now, and I spent a lot of time as a Christian thinking, you know, this weird way that Christians think, which is, you know, you're not worthy. I'm not, I'm not worthy. worthy. And somehow, somehow that's humble or thinking like, well, um, you know, I was born a sinner and my whole life is just learning how to repent and how to, uh, become more like Jesus, right? That's actually totally unbiblical. And that here's why, here's why I believe that, um, when God created man, he said, it is very good. This is very good. So when God made us, when we came out of the womb, even though we bring a lot of generational crap with us, but that's a whole other story. That's another podcast. Um, we'll have to schedule that one. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> when he created us. We came out exactly like God. Perfect. Completely perfect. Right. And now my whole life is about not becoming more like Jesus, but becoming more like who I already was. That mindset is a lot less, uh, what's the word? Like, I don't know. I can't think of the word. Like something's against me, you know, like a victim, I guess, less of a victim. But I feel like if I, if I'm thinking, no, like if I sin as a Christian, it's not because of my sinful nature. It's because I stepped outside of who I was meant to be. And God's like, return to me and you will be much more settled, much more peace, much happier. So it's no longer about, I mean, you know, there's a scripture in Genesis that Christians have used a lot where, you know, the whole Noah situation with killing all the people and flooding the earth. And God says, these people are only, only evil all the time. Every inclination of their heart is always evil. And it's (laughs) somehow that became a mantra for Christians that that's who we all are. Um, that's pretty discouraging. So I'm only evil all the time. All every inclination of my heart is wicked. That's a bummer. That's wow. I didn't want to be like that, you know? So, but I think what God was at that, that was a whole different situation. It's totally taken out of context. God does not look at us like that. He doesn't look at Christians. Like we're evil. He looks at us like we're little Jesuses running around the planet, totally forgiven, totally healed. My dog's having a nervous breakdown. (laughs) 
<laughs> she's crying Shaking. about. She's crying. Come here. You say hi to Kelsey. No. Hi. Oh, oh no, the podcast people can't see how cute she is. Come here, she really is precious. Yeah. I am unbelievably grateful that you brought up that point because Mm. I know, okay, if you were raised with the messaging like I was, what Mm -hmm. Gina just said is probably disturbing and shocking. (laughs) Like, what? No way. There's no way. Because I'm like disgusting. And and, Mm -hmm. uh, the only uh, good in the world is really just God. And anything good that you see in me, I actually can't say that that was because I'm an image bearer it was actually just God somehow Mm -hmm. creating a mirage in front of me (laughs) or something but I I think the implications are so far-reaching um especially to apply it to uh, the answer the call community people are trying to discern their vocational callings um Mm -hmm. there's an automatic assumption that the uh, desire of your heart to serve in a big way that is creative and exciting and empowering to you. And mm-hmm. you, it's the, whatever thought comes after the, gosh, wouldn't that be amazing if I could get there by 40 right. or whatever. Instant shutdown, that can't be good. Mm-hmm. That's selfish. Right. Right. When in reality, your heart is craving to use it for good. And yes, mm-hmm. it acknowledges the benefits to yourself, but mm-hmm. we serve a God that says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now come and share right. in your master's happiness, not some like super yes. spiritual word. Cause we separate out and we say, oh, happiness is fleeting and joy is eternal. Uh, the master in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 said happiness. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Hey, come feel good about it. Right. <laughs> like, you did a good exactly. job. Yeah. And oh, wow. So this has changed my life. And I so appreciate you ministering to us with every piece of encouragement mm-hmm. and wisdom that you had to share. Is there anything from our conversation that you would like to reiterate or underscore for the listeners um, as we wrap up? Yeah, I kind of interrupted myself when I was correcting my dog. So <laughs> sorry. Um, I just think it's, I do think that it's super important to know that if you're stopping yourself, with some way of thinking that is, that's a subconscious program that needs to be remapped, right? But the most important thing, the most important subconscious programming that we need to have in our minds is if we're Christians, if we say we follow Jesus, um, is that when you were forgiven of your sin, uh, when you you know, gave your life to God and you were forgiven of your sin. You got in the waters of baptism and you came out. You were, the Bible says you're clothed in Christ. That when God looks at you, he doesn't see the way you're going to blow it tomorrow. The sin that you were in before, because that's gone now. He only sees perfection and he, and he only sees good, right, holy, honorable. That's what he sees. He does not. And if you want to challenge me on that, first read the book of Romans and then then come for me. (laughs) And there's another book called The Naked Gospel that I would recommend as well, because what I because I got to tell you, I did not believe this until I was 15 years into my Christianity. So I was doing everything I could to make God love me more and forgive me more. And sorry, I was disappointing him. And sorry, I wasn't this. Sorry, I wasn't that. For a long time, I got really tired and lost, almost lost my faith over it. And then God showed me, this is what you missed. When you were forgiven, you became a new creation. And that's who I see. I don't see anything else. And that is vital for a Christian to understand. Then there's no condemnation in Christ. And that inspires you to not sin because you don't want to be away from such a good father, right? That is important to know. And I, I, if there's anything I want to leave this earth, like I want all that on my tombstone, (laughs) you know, (laughs) believe the book of Romans, believe it, you know, and it's just to hold on to the idea that we are so perfectly loved in, even if we give into terrible sin as a Christian, you are still completely seen as perfect and holy and righteous and good. And that should motivate us to return to the father, nothing else, not guilt, not shame, right? Nothing else. So yeah. That's, oh, that's thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And when you 
told me that bit about uh, you know two weeks ago when we were talking about this um that bit about us because I the bible literally says I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ that clicked something in me that had not clicked before and actually it's so funny you saw me like mid breakdown actually (laughs) Um, (laughs) when I was just so saddled with the effects of believing that I needed God to to (laughs) I don't know it's so funny there's so much we could get into on this that are so besides the point of this episode but yeah um just like earning God's love and Mm. um I I love how you brought it back to the gospel in closing this Mm. episode but it actually just is a companion point to everything Mm. you were talking about before in empowering thoughts around your career it's because you were talking about how the mind really only processes and moves forward with positive motivation, negative mm-hmm. motivations aren't helpful. Like, Oh, I don't mm-hmm. want to be fail. I don't want to be fearful, whatnot. Right. And it's the same thing with your relationship with Christ. You have been mm-hmm. drawn to the father because of your admiration, awe and overwhelming gratitude for his salvation you weren't moving or I haven't been moving as much towards him more away because of shame and he didn't Mm -hmm. intend for that and so Mm -hmm. thank you for such Mm -hmm. a rich example professionally spiritually personally uh, and your testimony Gina thank you so much for sharing thank you thanks for having me wasn't that incredible? If you would like to follow along with Gina's work, you could keep up with her on LinkedIn at Gina Stickley. Also, if you want to keep up with me, you know I'm on Instagram at Kelsey underscore the called career. I also have a whole set of free career tools available to you at Kelsey Kemp dot com slash free real easy to remember my name dot com slash free we love that don't we so anyway i really hope you enjoyed this episode if it was impactful to you please go ahead and leave a quick one tap rating so easy to support the show and even better a quick written review doesn't have to be anything fancy i so appreciate y'all support on that and really hope that y'all have an awesome week i'll see you right here on answer the call